This is episode 557 of the AWS podcast, released on November 29th, 2022. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS podcast. Simon Lynch here with you. Great to have you back for our special reInvent series. Yes, it's reInvent 2022. And whilst I'm not in Vegas this year, I'll be covering it each and every day to give you updates of what was discussed in the various events and keynotes and the announcements along the way. In this episode, we'll be covering Monday Night Live that was presented by Peter DeSantis, which covered a whole lot of really interesting innovations around silicon, around networking, storage and compute and some good stuff. And after that, we'll also have a bit of a summary of some of the other announcements that have been going on. But without further ado, let's get into it. We're pleased to announce the general availability of AWS local zones in Buenos Aires, Copenhagen, Helsinki, and Muscat. So you can now use these local zones to deliver applications that require single-digit millisecond latency or local data processing. Now, this launch includes the first local zone launch in Latin America, Buenos Aires and Argentina, and also expands the local zones in EMEA to three new countries, being Denmark, Finland, and Oman. Some new EC2 instances are available. We're happy to announce the EC2 M6IN and M6IDN and the R6IN and R6IDN instances. These sixth-generation network-optimized instances are powered by third-generation Intel Xeon scalable processors with an all-core turbo frequency of up to 3.5 gigahertz. These are the first x86-based general-purpose and memory-optimized instances to offer up to 200 gigabits per second of network bandwidth. Now, these instances deliver up to two times more network bandwidth and up to two times higher packet processing performance over comparable fifth-generation instances. These instances are built on the AWS Nitro system, which is a combination of dedicated hardware and lightweight hypervisor that delivers practically all the compute and memory resources to the host hardware for your instances for better overall performance and security. Now, you can scale the performance of applications like SQL, NoSQL databases, in-memory databases like SAP HANA, and telco applications like 5G user plane function, high-performance file systems, a whole bunch of things. For increased scalability, the M6IN and M6IDN instances are available in nine different instance sizes with up to 128 vCPUs and 512 GB of memory. The R6IN and R6IDN ones are available in nine different instance sizes with up to 128 vCPUs and 1,024 GB of memory. The new instances give you up to 33% larger instance sizes and up to 20% higher bandwidth than the fifth generation instances. They also give you up to 80 gigabits per second of elastic block store bandwidth and up to 350,000 IOPS, the highest Amazon EBS performance across EC2 instances. You can also have Elastic Fabric Adapter network support on the 32X large instance size as well. And that's really useful for improved cluster performance for workloads deployed on tightly coupled clusters. For applications that require high-speed, low-latency local block storage, the M6 IDN and R6 IDN instances are equipped with up to 7.6 terabytes of local NVMe-based SSD. Another new instance type is the Amazon EC2 C7GN instance, which is available in preview. These are powered by the latest generation AWS Graviton processors, and they're available for you to try out. They feature the new AWS Nitro cards, and Amazon EC2 C7GN instances deliver the highest network bandwidth and the best packet processing performance for Graviton-based Amazon EC2 instances. So you get up to 200 gigabits per second of network bandwidth and up to 50% higher packet processing performance compared to the previous generation C6GN instances. 
Now let's touch on a new networking capability for EC2, which is the Elastic Network Adapter Express or ENA Express for Amazon EC2 instances. All current generation EC2 instances use ENA, which is a purpose-built network interface to deliver an enhanced networking experience. ENA Express is a new ENA feature that uses the AWS Scalable Reliable Datagram or SRD protocol to improve network performance in two key ways higher single flow bandwidth and lower tail latency for network traffic between EC2 instances. Workloads such as distributed storage systems and live media encoding require large flows that are sensitive to variance in latency. Before today, customers could use multi-path TCP to increase bandwidth, but this adds complexity and at times can be incompatible with the application layer. TCP is also not equipped to handle congestion when your server is overloaded with requests. SRD is a proprietary protocol that delivers these improvements through advanced congestion control, multipathing, and packet reordering directly from the Nitro card. Enabling ENA Express is a simple configuration that makes enabling SRD as easy as a single command or console toggle for your EC2 instances. Using the SRD protocol, ENA Express increases the maximum single flow bandwidth of EC2 instances from 5 gigabits per second up to 25 gigabits per second. And it can provide up to 85% improvement in the P99.9 latency for high throughput workloads. Now, ENA Express works transparently to your applications with TCP and UDP protocols. When configured, ENA Express works between any two supported instances in an availability zone. ENA Express detects the compatibility between your EC2 instances and establishes an SRD connection when both communicating instances have ENA Express enabled. Once a connection is established, your traffic takes advantage of SRD and its performance benefits. And you can get detailed monitoring of these connections through the new uh, ETH tool metrics available in the latest Amazon Linux AMI. Now, with these new capabilities, we probably want to see where we should be running our instances and where we're going to get the best value for money. AWS Compute Optimizer now supports external metrics from observability partners. And it now supports four observability partners, Datadog, Dynatrace, Instana, and New Relic. By utilizing externally provided utilization metrics for EC2 memory, Compute Optimizer can now identify additional savings opportunities and make more performance-aware recommendations for customers to use these products. So basically, you can configure AWS Compute Optimizer to ingest memory metrics for EC2 instances from any of these four partner platforms. After 30 hours, Compute Optimizer will begin to provide right-sizing recommendations that size memory capacity in addition to CPU, disk, network, I.O. and throughput, so you can get additional savings and performance awareness. Another interesting new capability is support for AWS Nitro enclaves with Amazon EKS and Kubernetes. So you can now use familiar Kubernetes tools to orchestrate, scale, and deploy your enclaves from a Kubernetes pod. Now, AWS Nitro enclaves is an EC2 capability that enables customers to create isolated compute environments to further protect and securely process highly sensitive data within their EC2 instances. Nitro enclaves help customers reduce the attack surface area for the most sensitive data processing applications. Think of it at a high level of being able to say the people that operate the systems can't access the data in the systems. Depends on your use case, but can be really handy. Now, if you're running EKS or Kubernetes, you used to have to run custom code to leverage Kubernetes to deploy and scale your Nitro Enclaves. Now you can use the open source tool called the Nitro Enclaves Kubernetes Device Plugin, which provides Kubernetes pods with the ability to manage the lifecycle of an Enclave, which is very cool. 
Speaking of very cool, a fantastic new capability for AWS Lambda. It's called AWS Lambda Snapstart for Java functions. And it delivers up to 10 times faster function startup performance at no extra cost. Lambda Snapstart is a performance optimization that makes it easier for you to build highly responsive and scalable Java applications using AWS Lambda without having to provision resources or spend time and effort implementing complex performance optimizations. So these are really useful for latency sensitive applications where you don't want to have issues around unpredictable bursts of traffic and outlier startup latencies, which are called cold starts, that can cause delays in your user experiences. This allows you to improve your startup times by initializing the function's code ahead of time, taking the snapshot of that initialized execution environment and caching it. When the function is invoked and scales up, it uses these execution environments rather than having to start from scratch. We have a deep dive episode coming up on this topic. You can activate Lambda Snap Start for new or existing Java-based Lambda functions running on Amazon Coreto 11. Another really useful capability for folks who are using AWS Lambda functions is Amazon Inspector support. This allows you to have continual automated vulnerability assessments for serverless compute workloads. With this capability, Amazon Inspector now automatically discovers all eligible Lambda functions and identifies software vulnerabilities in application package dependencies used in the Lambda function code. All functions are initially assessed upon deployment to the Lambda service and continuously monitored and reassessed informed by updates to the function and newly published vulnerabilities. When vulnerabilities are identified in the Lambda function or layer, actionable security findings are generated, aggregated in the console and pushed to the security hub and event bridge to allow you to automate as well. Let's talk a little bit about networking. We're happy to announce the preview for Amazon Route 53 Application Recovery Controller Zonal Shift. Now, this allows you to quickly recover from application failures in an AWS availability zone. Starting today, you can shift application traffic away from using an AZ with a single action for multi-AZ resources with support of an application load balancer and network load balancer. This will help you quickly recover an unhealthy application in an AZ and reduce the duration and severity of impact to the application due to events like power outages and hardware or software failures. To initiate zonal shift, you simply go to the Amazon Route 53 Application Recovery Controller Console to start a zonal shift for a load balancer in your AWS account in an AWS region. You can also do it through the SDK as well, and you can also move things back once the affected AZ is healthy. Now, some great updates for elastic load balancing capabilities that are also tied in to availability. Firstly, the application load balancer, ALB, now has cross-zone off. This is the ability to turn off cross-zone load balancing, which is similar to the existing capability on NLB. When enabled, ALB routes the traffic to targets in the same availability zone as the load balancer nodes. This capability lets you maintain zonal isolation of your application stack while still having a redundancy across multiple AZs. The network load balancer, NLB, has some health check improvements. You can specify HTTP response codes that determine target health and configure the number of consecutive health check responses before a target is either marked as healthy or unhealthy. Both the ALB and NLB now have minimum healthy targets and you can configure the number or percentage of healthy targets for the ALB and NLB in an AZ. When the threshold is exceeded, the load balancer automatically stops routing to targets in the impaired AZ. And finally, as mentioned just before, there is now support for zonal shift for both ALB and NLB tied together with the Amazon Route 53 application recovery controller zonal shift feature. 
Now let's talk a little bit about storage. We're announcing a new generation of Amazon FSx for OpenZFx file systems. This doubles the maximum throughput and IOPS performance of the existing generation and includes a high-speed NVMe cache. The new generation file systems deliver up to 350,000 IOPS and 10 gigabytes per second throughput for both read and writes to persistent SSD storage. Second, they include up to 2.5 terabytes of high-speed NVMe storage that automatically caches your most recently accessed data, making that data accessible at over a million IOPS with latencies of a few hundred microseconds. With these new generation file systems, you can power an even broader range of high-performance workloads. A couple of updates as well for Amazon FSx for NetApp ONTAP. So the maximum throughput has now gone from 2 GB per second to 4 GB per second, and the maximum SSD IOPS has gone from 80,000 to 160,000, which means you get more performance for what you're doing. And Amazon FSx for NetApp ONTAP has also simplified access to multi-AZ file systems from on-premises and peer networks. So starting now, you can create multi-AZ file systems that you can access from other networks over AWS Transit Gateway without needing to perform any additional routing configuration, which means it's even easier to get up and running and started. So I hope there was something useful and interesting for you about that session. And here come some other updates that took place. So some great announcements there from Peter DeSantis, but lots of other things have been announced just before that particular Monday night event. And I wanted to run you through them. There's a few. So firstly, for the AWS Marketplace, the AWS Marketplace for containers now supports direct deployment to EKS clusters. So now you can find and deploy third-party operational software straight to your EKS cluster through the console using the CLI, EKS control, or APIs, or even infrastructure as code tools like CloudFormation and Terraform. Now, this makes it really easy to get up and running and set up your production-ready EKS clusters in minutes. Now, third-party container software is sourced from AWS Marketplace, which continuously scans software for common vulnerabilities and exposures, or CVEs, and it validates the software to work on EKS clusters. Customers are presented with software versions that are compatible with their Kubernetes versions. Moreover, selecting products from the EKS console will give customers the same benefits as any other product in the AWS marketplace, including consolidated billing, flexible payment options, and lower pricing for long-term contracts. So this is very, very handy. Some updates for analytics. We're happy to introduce AWS Glue 4.0. This is a new version of AWS Glue that accelerates data integration workloads in AWS. Now, AWS Glue 4.0 upgrades the Spark engines to Apache Spark 3.3.0 and Python 3.10. And Glue 4.0 gives you the latest versions to develop, run, and scale your ingestion onto. Now, as a reminder, this is a serverless scalable integration service that makes it really easy for you to discover and prepare, move and integrate data from multiple sources. Now, a few other updates for Glue were pleased to announce AWS Glue for Ray in preview. Now, data engineers can use AWS Glue for Ray to process large data sets with Python and popular Python libraries. And AWS Glue for Ray combines the serverless option for data integration with the Ray which is Ray.io, which is a popular new open source compute framework that helps you scale Python workloads. Another update for AWS Glue is the introduction of custom visual transformations. Now this lets you define, reuse, and share your business specific ETL logic amongst your teams. 
You can define your AWS Glue custom visual transformations using Apache Spark code, as well as the user input form. You can also specify validations for the input form to help protect users from making mistakes. And once you save the files defining the transform to your AWS account, it automatically appears in the dropdown list available to your other users in the visual job editor. So you can do all the things you wanna do. And last update for AWS Glue is AWS Glue for Apache Spark native support for data lake frameworks, including Apache Hoodie, Apache Iceberg, and Delta Lake, so you can build even more easily. Now, some great updates for Amazon Redshift. It has extended SQL capabilities to simplify and speed up your data warehouse migrations in preview. So it now supports new SQL functionalities, namely merge, rollup, cube, and grouping sets. Now this helps you simplify building multi-dimensional analytics applications and incorporating fast changing data in Redshift. In addition, Amazon Redshift now extends support for a larger semi-structured data size of up to 16 megabytes when ingesting nested data from JSON and Parquet source files. Together, these enhancements reduce the code conversion effort if you are migrating to Amazon Redshift from other data warehouse systems and it helps you improve performance as well. Now, Amazon Redshift has also announced integration with Informatica Data Loader tool to accelerate your data uploads at no cost. So you can run this for free. And this integration lets you launch and operate your Informatica Data Loader within your Amazon Redshift console and easily copy data without having to install any additional components or write codes. And this lets you upload large volumes of data across many different formats. And AWS Backup has introduced support for Amazon Redshift. So this makes it even easier for you to manage and audit your backups for this particular service. Onto the topic of business applications, we're happy to announce the general availability of AWS Wicker. Now this is an end-to-end -end encrypted enterprise communication service that offers advanced security features and facilitates one-to-one -one chats, group messaging, calling, file sharing, screen sharing, and more. And this is now generally available and there'll be a deep dive episode coming up pretty soon after this episode goes out. Some updates on the topic of compute. We're happy to introduce the Amazon EC2 R7iZ instances. These are memory optimized high frequency instances that are available in preview. These are the first EC2 instances powered by the fourth generation Intel Xeon scalable processors, which were codenamed Sapphire Rapids, with an all core turbo frequency of up to 3.9 gigahertz. These instances have the highest performance per vCPU amongst x86-based EC2 instances, and you get up to 20% higher performance than the Z1D instances. These instances are built on the AWS Nitro system, which is a combination of dedicated hardware and lightweight hypervisor that delivers practically all the compute and memory resources of the host hardware to your instances for better overall performance and security. Now the R7iZ instances are ideal for front-end electronic design automation, relational databases with high per-core licensing fees, financial, actuarial, data analytics simulations, and other workloads requiring a combination of high compute performance and a high memory footprint. Now you can get these of course in different sizes with up to 128 vCPUs and up to 1024 gigabytes of memory. Now, these are also the first x86-based EC2 instances to use DDR5 memory and deliver up to 2.4 times higher memory bandwidth than comparable high-frequency instances. They also deliver up to 50 gigabits per second of networking speed and up to 40 gigabits per second of EBS bandwidth. We're happy to announce the availability of Microsoft Office Amazon Machine Images on Amazon EC2 with AWS provided licenses. So now you can get fully compliant Amazon provider licenses for Microsoft Office LTSC Professional Plus 2021. 
So these are available on the EC2 console and in the marketplace, and you can launch these on demand without any long-term licensing commitments. And Amazon ECS, the Elastic Container Service, has introduced Service Connect. This is a new networking capability that simplifies service discovery, connectivity, and traffic observability for Amazon ECS. It lets you build your applications faster because you focus on the code and not the networking stuff. And this allows you to define friendly names for your service endpoints and use those friendly names in your client applications to connect to dependencies. Service Connect helps send your traffic to healthy endpoints and provides rich traffic telemetry in the console and in CloudWatch. Native Amazon ECS deployments are more robust with Service Connect as it supports automatic connection draining that helps your client applications to switch to a new version of the service endpoint without encountering any traffic errors. Some great updates in the topic of databases. We're happy to announce RDS blue-green deployments for safer, simpler, and faster updates. Now, how does this work? Now, this applies to Amazon Aurora and Amazon RDS databases. Blue-green deployments create a fully managed staging environment that allows you to deploy and test production changes, keeping your current production database safe. With a single click, you can promote the staging environment to be the new production system in as fast as a minute with no changes to your application and no data loss. Now, this is really useful when you're deploying those changes to production like major and minor version database engine upgrades, schema upgrades, maintenance upgrades, database parameter setting changes, and scaling instances. Blue-green deployments use built-in switchover guardrails that will time out promotion of the staging environment if it exceeds your maximum tolerable downtime, it detects any replication errors, or identifies instance health check errors. Now, these are available for Amazon Aurora with MySQL compatibility 5.6 and higher, Amazon RDS MySQL 5.7 and higher, and Amazon RDS for Maria DB 10.2 and higher in all AWS regions, excepting for the China and GovCloud regions. Now, the Amazon RDS team have been hard at work making things faster for you. And so they're introducing Amazon RDS optimized reads, which is now available to provide you up to 50% faster queries for Amazon RDS for MySQL. Now, optimized read-enabled instances achieve faster query processing by placing temporary tables generated by MySQL on the local NVMe based SSD block level storage that's physically connected to the host server. Now, complex queries that utilize temporary tables like queries involving sorts, hash aggregations, high load joins, and common table expressions are now about 50% faster by doing it this way. So this is available by default on a number of the instance types and is a very core capability. Now, if reading faster is not good enough for you, how about writing faster? Amazon RDS optimized writes enables up to two times higher write throughput at no additional cost. Now, this is especially useful for RDS for MySQL customers with write-intensive database workloads commonly found in applications like digital payments, financial trading, and online gaming. In MySQL, you're protected from data loss due to unexpected events like power failures using a built-in feature called the double write buffer. But this method of writing takes up to twice as long and consumes twice as much IO bandwidth and reduces the throughput of performance of your database. Starting today, Amazon RDS Optimized Writes provides you with up to two times improvement in write transaction throughput on RDS for MySQL by writing only once while protecting you from data loss at no additional cost. Optimized Writes uses the AWS Nitro system to reliably and durably write table storage in one step. Onto the topic of Internet of Things, AWS IoT has announced the general availability for version 5 of MQTT Message Broker, also known as MQTT 5. The MQTT protocol has become super popular for 
using Internet of Things uh, devices and data transmission because of its lightweight implementation, particularly for low-powered devices that have poor networks. The latest version is a significant upgrade, including several key features to make systems more robust. Things like new message headers to allow for faster message processing without the need to decode the message payload, shared subscriptions to enable load balancing of message reception, message and session exploration to enable better timeouts, and request response topics to allow message subscribers to positively acknowledge receipt of a message to the sender. Now, with this release, customers can connect their devices to AWS IT Core over MQTT 5 or leverage a mix of MQTT version 3 and 5 as well if you have a heterogeneous environment. AWS IT Core has also announced a new device location feature. Using AWS IT Core device location, customers can optimize business processes, simplify and automate maintenance efforts, and unlock new business use cases. For example, your field service team can stay informed and quickly identify the location of devices that require maintenance action. In an IT application, GPS is commonly applied to locate an IT device, but not all IT things, especially battery-powered IT devices, can be equipped with GPS hardware because of the high power power consumption. With the new device location feature, customers can choose the appropriate location technology that works within their business and engineering constraints without relying on the high power consuming GPS hardware. So this is integrated with solutions offered by partners such as Semtech here, MaxMind, which lets you use GNSS, Wi-Fi scan, cellular triangulation, and reverse IP lookup techniques to determine the geolocations. AWS IT device management jobs now support scheduling configuration, which gives you the flexibility to deploy your remote operations during predefined time windows, so regular usage of your IT devices are not disrupted. Now, some updates on the topic of machine learning. We're happy to announce real-time capabilities in Amazon Transcribe Call Analytics API to improve your customer experience. Now, Transcribe Call Analytics gives you real-time insights into conversations to identify critical scenarios like customers expressing dissatisfaction. Using these insights, you can build a proactive system that helps agents with relevant information to solve customer issues or alert supervisors about things going not so good. Amazon Textract has launched Analyze Lending to accelerate loan document processing. So this allows customers automate their mortgage document processing and get a more efficient business by reducing costs and scaling faster. Now, this is a managed intelligent document processing API that automates the classification and extraction of information from loan packages. Customers simply upload their mortgage loan documents to the Analyze Lending API and its pre-trained machine learning models will automatically classify and split by document type and pull out the critical fields from a loan mortgage application. Amazon Kendra has launched a couple of cool things. Firstly, expanded language support for semantic search. So it now uh, adds seven new languages, including Spanish, French, German, Portuguese, Japanese, Korean, and Chinese. And customers can now use the full range of semantic features in Kendra for querying their data. And Amazon Kendra has also launched tabular search for HTML documents. Now, this allows you to search more intuitively and effectively through tables that are embedded in HTML pages. So, for example, you can ask questions like, what's the APR on the business credit card? Or what's the credit card with the lowest annual fees? Where the answers are contained in a credit card comparison table on a marketing web page. Tabular search works out of the box on a wide range of HTML table formats and domains, so you don't have to do anything to get the benefit of it. 
And finally, on this topic, Amazon Code Whisperer has added enterprise administrative controls, simple sign-up, and support for new languages. So you can easily integrate Code Whisperer into your existing workforce identity solutions and get up and running very quickly. Now, we're also expanding the programming language support for Code Whisperer. In addition to Python, Java, and JavaScript, developers can now use Code Whisperer to accelerate development on their C-sharp and TypeScript projects. An update for management and governance. We're happy to announce Delegated Administrator for AWS organizations. So this allows you to delegate the management of your organization's policies, which means you can govern your AWS organization and member accounts with increasing agility and decentralization. You can now allow individual lines of businesses operating in member accounts to manage policies specific to their needs. And by having fine-grained permissions, you can balance flexibility with limiting access to your highly privileged management accounts. We're also happy to announce the comprehensive controls management with AWS Control Tower in preview. This is a new set of features that enhances AWS Control Tower's governance capabilities. You can now programmatically implement controls at scale across your multi-account AWS environments within minutes, so you can quickly vet and create allow list and begin using your AWS services. With comprehensive controls management in AWS Control Tower, you can reduce the time it takes to define, map, and manage these controls to manage your most common approaches. As customers begin to use AWS services, many take an allow list approach, only allowing the use of certain AWS services that have been vetted and approved to balance their security and compliance requirements with the need to be agile. Now, this can often get in the way of de developers being very fast to move quickly. Now, the Control Tower's new proactive control capabilities leverage AWS CloudFormation hooks to proactively identify and block non-compliant resources before they're provisioned by CloudFormation. Now, AWS Cloud Tower's new proactive controls complement the existing control capabilities, which allows you to disallow actions that lead to policy violations and detect non-compliance of resources at scale. Speaking of Control Tower, we now have account customization within AWS Control Tower. With this release, you can use AWS Control Tower to define account blueprints that scale your multi-account provisioning without starting from scratch with every account. An account blueprint describes the specific resources and configurations that are used when the account is provisioned. And you can also use predefined blueprints that are built and managed by AWS partners to customize accounts for specific use cases. A really great update for AWS Config. AWS Config rules now support proactive compliance. So this allows you to proactively check for compliance with AWS Config rules prior to resource provisioning. So customers use AWS Config to track the configuration changes made to their cloud resources and check if these resources match their desired configurations through a feature known as AWS Config rules. Proactive compliance allows customers to evaluate the configurations of their cloud resources before they're created or updated. So this is pre-check rather than post-check, hence the productivity. AWS CloudTrail Lake now supports configuration items from AWS Config. Now you can query and analyze both configuration items and CloudTrail activity logs in CloudTrail Lake. So it makes it even easier to figure out what has been going on in your environment. And it really allows your security teams to perform retrospective investigations by helping answer who made what configuration to resources associated with security incidents, such as data exfiltration or unauthorized access. We're excited to announce data protection in Amazon CloudWatch Logs. This is a new set of capabilities that leverage pattern matching and machine learning capabilities to detect and protect sensitive log data in transit. So it allows you to define and apply data protection policies that scan these 
log data in transit for sensitive data and mask sensitive data that is detected. So you can use, for example, things like uh, HIPAA stuff, GDPR stuff, PCI stuff, etc. Lots of particular reasons why you'd use this. Very, very handy. We're also happy to announce Amazon CloudWatch Internet Monitor in preview. Internet Monitor allows you to quickly visualize the impact of issues, pinpoint locations, and providers that are affected, and then helps you take action to improve your end user's network experience. You can see a global view of traffic patterns and health events, easily drill down into information about events at different geographic granularities. If an issue is caused by the AWS network, you'll get an AWS health dashboard notification that tells you the step that AWS is taking to mitigate the problem. Now, Internet Monitor also provides insights and recommendations so that you can help improve your customer's experience by using other AWS services or by rerouting traffic to your workload through different regions. Internet Monitor publishes measurements to CloudWatch metrics and CloudWatch logs that includes geographies and networks specific to your applications. It also sends health event notifications through Amazon EventBridge. And Amazon CloudWatch has also launched cross-account observability across multiple AWS accounts. So using cross-account observability in CloudWatch, you can search for log groups stored across multiple accounts and run cross-account log insights queries, and you can create contributor insights rules across accounts to identify the top end contributors generating log entities. So basically, you can see a lot more in one place. Onto the topic of migration and transfer, we're happy to announce schema conversion feature in AWS DMS, the database migration service. Now, you may have used the schema conversion tool back in the day. Well, with DMS schema conversion feature built into DMS, customers can now avoid the hassle of implementing piecemeal solutions, especially for heterogeneous migrations. This feature allows you to convert the schema, views, store procedures, and functions from a source database into the schema for the target database service. With just a few clicks, you can generate an assessment report that shows the schema conversion complexity. And the report provides prescriptive guidance on how to resolve any incompatibilities between the source and target database engines. What this does is basically takes what used to take weeks or months and turn it into hours. AWS Elastic Disaster Recovery now supports cross-region and cross-availability zone failback. This process helps simplify failing back Amazon Elastic Compute Cloud instances to your primary AWS region or availability zone. It also lets you do frequent non-disruptive recovery and failback drills for your application using Elastic Disaster Recovery. And the AWS Application Migration Service now supports application-centric migrations, wave planning, and more. Lots and lots of cool things here. You can now use it to group related source servers into applications and to group applications into planned migration waves. This allows you to use the application migration service to perform bulk actions across your applications and waves, track your migration process at the wave and application level. It now also supports defining custom modernization actions in addition to pre-configured application modernization actions. These modernization actions are applied to your migrated applications when you launch them on AWS. Onto the topic of networking and content delivery. Amazon VPC Reachability Analyzer now supports network reachability analysis across accounts in an AWS organization. So you can now track and troubleshoot the network reachability across the entire organization, not just a particular account. And AWS Network Manager has introduced real-time performance monitoring for the AWS Global Network. So now you can understand it both real-time and historically for operational and planning purposes. 
AWS Network Manager provides aggregate network latency between AWS regions, availability zones within and within each availability zone, which lets you better understand how your application performance relates to the performance of the underlying AWS network. Now you can monitor the network latency for the AWS Global Network in up to five minute intervals, as well as view the 45 day historical trend from AWS Network Manager. In addition, you can publish these metrics to CloudWatch and you can do more analysis on them. Onto the topic of quantum technologies. We're pleased to announce Amazon Bracket Algorithm Library, where you can now access pre-built quantum algorithms. When experimenting with quantum computers and building algorithms, it's often hard to get going. Uh, you want to work on your problem, not have to figure out which algorithm to use. So with this launch, Bracket customers have access to Python implementations of prominent quantum algorithms, such as quantum phase estimation, quantum circuit born machine, and quantum walks, each available as ready-to-run code that can be integrated into more complex algorithms. So you can just get up and running in a Jupyter notebook rather than having to copy code or do anything else. Onto the topic of security, identity, and compliance. AWS announces the Amazon Verified Permissions capability, which is in preview, which is a scalable, fine-grained permissions management and authorization service for custom applications. With Amazon Verified Permissions, application developers can let their end users manage permissions and share access to data. For example, application developers can use Amazon Verified Permissions to define and manage fine-grained permissions to determine which Cognito users have access to which application resources. Now, this uses a custom policy language called CEDAR to define these permissions. The service manages access within the application by storing and evaluating these fine-grained permissions to determine what each user is allowed to do. Access requests are evaluated in a few milliseconds, which allows continual verification as required by zero trust. Amazon verified permission can be used with any identity provider such as Amazon Cognito. And Amazon Macy has introduced automated sensitive data discovery. With this new capability, Macy automatically and intelligently samples and analyzes objects across your S3 buckets, inspecting them for sensitive data like PII, financial data, and AWS credentials. It then builds and continuously maintains an interactive data map of where your sensitive data in S3 resides in all accounts and regions where you've enabled Macy and gives you a sensitivity score for each bucket. Now, this uses multiple automated techniques, including resource clustering by attributes like bucket name, file types, etc., etc. Helps you continuously identify and remediate any data security risks without manual configuration, and it lowers the cost to monitor for and respond to data security risks. Onto the topic of storage, new Amazon S3 multi-region access point failover controls enable active-passive configurations and customer-initiated failovers. So this allows you to shift S3 data access request routing through multiple Amazon S3 access points. And it allows you to move to an alternate uh, AWS region within minutes to test and build highly available applications. Now this allows you to build multi-region architectures that help you improve resiliency and meet compliance needs, whilst also maintaining, of course, business continuity when things are going awry. Now, if you operate S3 multi-region access points, you can also pair that with S3 intelligent tiering so that you can reduce the cost of your storage at the same time as having that seamless failover and failback experience. And we've announced lower latencies for the Amazon Elastic file system. You can now get up to 60% lower read operation latencies when working with frequently accessed data and metadata. And it now also delivers up to 40% lower write operation latencies when working with small files, 64K or less, and metadata as well. All this means you get lots more speed without having to do anything. 
And EFS has also introduced a one-day lifecycle management policy to reduce costs for cold data sets. So this will apply to anything, if you turn it on, to automatically move files that haven't been accessed for one day in EFS into the infrequent access storage class. Now you can configure this new policy option for your file system, or you can use the 7, 14, 30, 60, or 90 day options as well. We're also happy to announce Elastic throughput for the Amazon Elastic file system. And this is to provide applications that need a lot of throughput when they need it. <laughs> so basically it allows you to deal with spiky type activities. And when you enable Elastic throughput on an EFS file system, you don't specify or provision the throughput capacity to meet your needs. Instead, with Elastic throughput, EFS is designed to automatically deliver the throughput performance your application needs while you pay only for the amount of data read or written. So this is a very powerful way to avoid that unpredictability. And some updates from AWS Backup. It has now launched application-aware data protection for applications defined using AWS CloudFormation. So now what that will do is automate the data protection of these applications by creating backup policies and assigning the AWS CloudFormation stacks using tags or resource IDs. And this means that the entire application has a single recovery point objective, and it simplifies and expedites application recovery during disasters and malicious activities. And AWS Backup has also launched delegation of organization-wide backup administration. So it allows you to create and manage backup policies and monitor them across accounts within the organization so you can get a single view. And AWS Backup has also added a legal hold capability for extended data retention beyond lifecycle policies. So this is really useful when you need to hold something because it's under legal inspection. And this can help you meet the key criteria for data storage and preservation for things like the SEC Rule 17A4F, FINRA Rule 4511 and CFTC Regulation 1.31. And AWS Backup Audit Manager has also added centralized reporting for AWS organizations. So again, the audit manager operates across your organization so you get the big picture view. So lots of great updates there. Hope there's been something for you. It's going to be a big week. Episodes to come each and every day following the keynotes. And if you have a moment, please click the link in the show notes that takes you to a very short survey to tell us what you think about the AWS podcast. What do you like? What can we do better? We always love to get your feedback. And of course, until next time, keep on building.